Welcome back to the Gospel Baptist Church podcast, where we focus on the Bible and God's plan for our lives. Though this day in history is filled with pain and confusion, the Bible offers the hope and instruction we all need. So let's dive into today's message and hear how God's Word has the answers for today. As you're turning in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, um, also look for 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's just a few pages to the left of Ephesians 6. We're going to look at a couple of verses there as well. The subject of prayer is probably one of the hardest to preach on. The reason being so is because it's so convicting of a topic. Because how can I up here tell you how to pray if I'm not praying as well? I'd be a hypocrite. So oftentimes it's a hard thing to do because, you know, the the pastor, the the preacher has to look at their own life and say, wow, you know, am am I doing what I should do? And so a lot of times we don't hear preaching on on prayer sometimes because of that reason, because it's so convicting of a topic. Um, I don't know many people who are satisfied with their prayer life. You know, I don't know who's, uh, I, I probably don't know anybody who would say, you know what, I've, I've attained to the level of my prayer life that I'm content with. I, don't, I, I can't improve any. I've never met anybody like that. If anything, I think most people would say, you know what, I'm not satisfied. I know that maybe my prayer life, that's probably maybe the weakest part of my Christian walk that I have is really that time in prayer. And, and learning to understand prayer is something that I need to, 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 to work at. And that's one thing that the disciples desired most of Jesus when, when they were spending time with him and they were listening to him pray. You know, scripture says, you know, they, they looked at him and said, you know, teach us to pray. Because that's a one area of our life that we can always grow in better. Truly it is. Uh, fervent prayer is probably one of the most neglected things in Christian lives today. If you think about it, there are 1,440 minutes in a day. Most Christians probably spend less than 10 minutes a day in prayer, if at all. Think about that. 1,440 minutes. Of that 1,440 minutes, how often do you spend in that time with the Lord in prayer? One of the many reasons I think that prayer is neglected in our lives is because we don't see it work immediately, most of the time. And we live in a culture where... uh, a lot of things are instant. You know, if I, like for example, you get a text message, you know, if somebody doesn't reply right away, you kind of get a little impatient, don't you? You say, well, look, I texted you like three hours ago. Why didn't you respond yet? <laughs> you know, we get impatient with that because we're so uh, used to instant communication. You know, can you imagine back in the old days when it was just pen and paper and you know, you were thankful that you even got a letter in the mail or in the post, you know, and, and heard from somebody that you hadn't seen in, in a long time. But we live in such a, a, a culture today that everything is instant. And if it's not instant, we get impatient. 
And God doesn't work that way. I'm thankful that he's long-suffering. And sometimes he allows things and prayers to kind of not be instantly answered, but he says, just wait, wait. Um, you know, as I, as I mentioned, I think maybe it was last week or the week before uh, with, our, with our boys. You know, we prayed for our sons for 10 years. 10 years we prayed for them. And it was very easy to just have given up. Say, Lord, I guess you just don't want us to have children. And to be honest with you, it was close to a point that we felt that way. But we just kept on praying and asking the Lord that he would intercede. And in his timing, he allowed it to happen. But so often we give up on prayer because we don't see God answer right away. Let's look at these main scriptures that we have this morning and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul here is is writing to the church in Ephesus. And most of us probably have heard these scriptures before or read them uh, in our our reading. They're very popular. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. But look at verse 18. Oftentimes we read uh, verses 10 through 17 and we stop. Because it's always dealing with the armor of God. Okay, that's it. But verse 18 is kind of like the, the whole, brings the whole thing together. And it says here, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So when we put on the armor of God, we're putting it on through prayer, by prayer. That's how we're putting on the armor of God. Uh, look here in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. A couple pages to the left, verses 3 and 4. Verse number 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we're going to look at this morning how we can become a prayer warrior. Father, we just ask that you would bless our time this morning. God, as I've been looking at this message and looking at the scriptures, Lord, my heart is heavy this morning because I know this is such um, a convicting topic. Lord, I'm going to be dealing with some things that might hurt a little bit. Lord, help me as like a surgeon to help and to, to heal, Lord. And God, that you would help us all when our walk with you, that we'd spend the time that we need to with you, Lord. And Father, I just ask that you would just bless this morning, God. Um, guide my words, Lord. Just I pray that after today, we'd be going away just 
thankful for this morning's message. And Lord, we just need you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at Ephesians chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians, when you go to the Lord in prayer, you are equipping yourself for the battle zone of spiritual warfare of your day-to-day life. Um, We're in a battlefield. We're in a war. There is a battle all around us. And every single one of us are soldiers. We are soldiers for the Lord. But as we look at this, uh, Philippians 2 verses 25 says, He says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send unto you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger that he hath ministered to my wants. So we see here through Scripture that we are, in fact, soldiers of the Lord. Uh, but do you want to be more than just a soldier? And I'm going to get to that here in just a, a few minutes. Or do you want to be a warrior? A warrior. Now you're probably wondering, what is the difference? What, where, where, are you going, where are you going with this? Now, first of all, though anyone who has served in the military as a soldier, there's no disrespect whatsoever for being a soldier. Okay, I'm not anything negative about that. There's no intention whatsoever. But there's a difference between a, a, a warrior and a soldier, especially in, in the times of warfare when you look at the Old Testament and even the New Testament. Warfare today is, is so different than it used to be. But when you look at the Old Testament and you look at how soldiers survived, how they lived, uh, it was so much different than it was today. Now, often a soldier was someone uh, who was drafted or volunteered for a battle. But a warrior is more than just a soldier. They're someone who was skillfully trained for years for war and for battle. They lived by their skill with their weapons. Think about if you look at, uh, when you looked at 1 Samuel chapter 16, when Goliath comes on the scene. I mean, Goliath is a man who has known war since he was a child. And he was a formidable opponent. In so much that, not just because he was a big guy, but he was fearsome. And he knew how to handle himself with a sword and a shield and a spear. That's why when the children of Israel looked at him, they were terrified. Especially having to duel him one by one. They were scared. Because they, they saw that he was a formidable opponent because he was a warrior. He was trained. But what is different? I think I'm getting ahead. Okay, so what is, what is a prayer warrior? We understand that a warrior back in those times were, you know, they, you know, they studied their weapons. They, they, were, they, they were very skillful with their weapons. And that's how they got victory. They kept themselves alive that way. These were men and women. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself there. So there. Um, These were men and women of great courage and bravery. Warriors were. Uh, King David surrounded himself and led men of great caliber called David's mighty men. And when they went into battle, the enemy knew that they were in trouble. I mean, when David went to war, things were going great for the enemy But when those mighty men came on the scene, they knew they were in trouble. 
I mean, if you, if you, I don't know if you ever read through the, the David's mighty men and some of the feats that they were able to do. One guy was able to kill 800 soldiers with his spear. Think about that. 800 men trying to kill him. And he instead killed, killed them instead. That's the skill that these men had with their, with their weapons. And they didn't just pick up a spear one day and say, oh, okay, this is a new, neat little tool. <laughs> no, they were, they were trained. They learned how to use their weapon. They learned how every little aspect of it. I mean, even soldiers today, when, when you're given your weapon, you are, you are supposed to know every ounce of that weapon. You're supposed to clean it. You're supposed to take care of that weapon because you know that if, if you're in trouble, you, you have to depend upon that weapon to save your life. And if you don't know your weapon, you're a great danger to not only yourself, but to your fellow soldiers around you. So it takes great practice and great, great skill and time to, to be a, a warrior, so to speak. Now, a person who is a prayer warrior realizes that there is a spiritual battlefield all around us. They know how powerful prayer is and how great a weapon it is against the kingdom of darkness. Sometimes you wonder if they can see what most of us cannot see, like Elisha did in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 20. Now, we've looked at that uh, previously, if, you know, as we looked in our, our doctrines class. But one day, you know, uh, the king of Syria was uh, perplexed because he was trying to attack the king of Israel. And he was wondering, why in the world did the king of Israel keep knowing where, he, where to avoid being uh, his, his troop and his army was? And so it got to the point where he looked at his, his counselor and said, all right, who's, who's the spy? Who's the traitor? Who's telling uh, Israel, the king of, uh, of Israel there, who's telling him our, our battle plans? And his counselor said, look, we're all for you. But what you're saying in your, the privacy of your chamber is being revealed to Elisha, the man of God. And Elisha is telling, telling the king your, your plans that you're talking about. And, um, and so he, uh, he sends his army to, to capture Elisha. They surround the city. And uh, Elisha's servant wakes up and he looks out the window and hears this huge host of soldiers outside. And he panics. And, he, and basically, in a, in a, basically summarizing. And so he's, he's panicking. He's worried. And Elisha told his servant when they were surrounded by the enemy, he said, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And he prayed that God would let his eyes be opened. And God opened his eyes and he saw the chariots of fire that were all about them in the mountains and all around the army. Elisha saw them. He saw that God was going to take care of him. He had nothing to worry about this king of Syria, his little army that he had in front of him. Because he was surrounded by the host of heaven. And when his servant saw that, he understood and he realized. And so sometimes those who are prayer warriors, they see that there's a, a real battle going around us. There's a war around us for the souls of men and women that are, that are valuable to, to the Lord. And, and they see that there's this great battle. Uh, these are people who fight on their knees instead of physical fists and instead lead the fighting to God. Now, again, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago about uh, a movie called War Room. I strongly, strongly encourage everybody to watch that. If you ever get an opportunity to, to, to watch the movie War Room, it's talking about dealing with prayer. 
I really encourage everyone to, to watch that. Maybe I can put a bug in Pastor Les's ear and maybe have a movie night or something like that and watch it on the, the screen there because I think, I think you'll go away looking at that and saying, man, I wish I had that kind of relationship with God. Sometimes we become arrogant enough to think that we can handle the devil and whatever he throws at us. But instead, Scripture says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we think, well, if we just, if we just resist, then he's going to flee from us. But we forget the first part of that verse. We have to submit ourselves to God first. Because when we're underneath the protection of the Lord, the devil knows he cannot do anything about it. And he has to flee. But oftentimes we don't submit ourselves in prayer to the Lord. Now, some prayers of Scripture are Moses. Some prayer warriors of Scripture. We look at Moses and Daniel and David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see Hannah and Elizabeth, Elijah, Elisha, Paul, and most of all, Jesus Christ. You know, and these are just but a few as you look and you study throughout Scripture. But can I ask you, where are the prayer warriors of today? Where are those who take prayer serious? That it's their, their desire, their, their, their goal of, of their relationship with God to draw as close to, to Him as possible. Instead of focusing on the real battle, which is the souls of men and women, Christians today would rather become warriors of the following. They would rather spend all their time watching sports and studying them. I'm, I like sports, so it, it, it's a dig to me just as much as anybody else. But if you know every single stat of your favorite football team or rugby team and player on your rugby team, and you don't know your Bible, where's your priorities? You know what? Teams change. People go, and they change teams. And in the light of eternity, that's not going to matter. When you stand before God and He says, so what did you do with your life? What's going to be your answer? What about playing video games? Sometimes even work. Sometimes we get so focused on our work and career that we don't put our relationship with God where it's supposed to be. What about your hobbies and other distractions? Now, again, these aren't wrong to have and wrong to do. But oftentimes, we put so much emphasis on these that when it comes to our relationship with God and our prayer life, we're going to do this instead. And all right, Because this is pleasing to our flesh. Our flesh loves this stuff. But spending time in prayer, spending time reading the Bible, our flesh hates that. It can't stand it. It'll think of anything else to do except for spending time in prayer and reading the Bible. That's why there's such a battle within us as well of what our priorities are. And that's why we'll see other distractions come up whenever you do try to spend time with God. You know, when I think of prayer warriors, of born-again, Bible-believing Christianity, I think of a few people. You may have even heard them before. I think of um, Andrew Murray, E.M. Bounds. He wrote tremendous books on prayer. Think of Charles Spurgeon, Fanny Crosby. We, re, we sing a lot of her hymns. She wrote lots of them that we haven't even read. 
I think of a man by the name of Dr. Tom Williams as well as a man by the name of Dr. Don Green. Now, Dr. Don Green went to be with the Lord this year. He was over 90 years old. Uh, and I've been in the presence of both of these and prayed with them. And being in their presence when they prayed, it gave me goosebumps. Because these were men who knew the seriousness and of what prayer was. I mean, it's, as I said before, when you, when you start hearing these men pray, it was like you, you didn't want to, it was like holy ground. You just didn't want to disturb because they were getting a hold of heaven. I want to have that kind of testimony. When someone starts listening to me pray, they know that I'm, I'm getting a hold of heaven. And it's not just empty words. So how do you and I even try to become a prayer warrior? Now, I want to challenge you to desire more with your prayer life and to become more than just a soldier in the Lord's army. I want you to try to become a prayer warrior. Now, the first way that you can become a prayer warrior, first of all, is that it takes training. A warrior is not formed overnight. It takes training and lots of it. Anybody who even does anything with sports, you know to really keep at your sport, it takes training and training and training. I mean, you look at Olympic athletes as they prepare to go to the Olympics. Their lives are consumed with eating right, exercise, training. That's all they live for four years to participate in one event. One event. They take all that time and they, and they put themselves under all that pressure to do one event. It takes training. You know, when David met Goliath, he didn't just, um, he didn't just pick up a sling one day and say, oh, I wonder how this thing works and, you know, and, and brought it against Goliath. Instead, David was proficient with the sling because he trained with it while he was watching sheep. David, when he was watching the sheep, look, being the, the life of a shepherd was not exactly the most exciting thing. You sat around watching sheep eat. Think about it. It's not the most exciting job in the world. So oftentimes to pass the time, David would write music. He would practice his harp. He would practice his sling. Not knowing that God was, in, in a sense, preparing David for greater things. We know that his playing of the harp would one day help King Saul. His desire for writing songs, we would read them today. That one day he would stand before Goliath, one of the most formidable warriors of his day, and kill him with one stone. He had no idea that was ahead of his life. But he looked at his time. He said, okay, I'm just going to do something and be busy with it. And so he trained. He trained so one day when he was, when the opportunity came that God could use him, he was ready. Practicing his sling gave him focus of mind and sight, dexterity and strength, and cunningness of how to attack his enemy if ever it was needed. God blessed his preparation by giving him great victory over Goliath because he was prepared. Now, how do we train ourselves as a prayer warrior? The first one is we need to find a quiet place and to be alone with God. You need that time. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. 
Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Find a place that's quiet where you can be alone with God. Verses 5 through 8 says this. It says, uh, and, when you, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. And when thou and when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. So what Jesus is saying here is we need to find a place that's alone. Is is something where it's private, where it's just between us and God, where we can pour out our heart to God and we can spend time alone where there's no distractions. Uh, look at chapter 14 and verse number 23. Chapter 14, verse number 23. Now this is talking about Jesus here. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So even Jesus needed times where he just needed to be with his father alone. And if Jesus needed to be alone with God, I think it shows a great need that we need to spend time alone with God as well. Just between him and us. No distractions, nothing around us. Uh, Look at chapter 26. Chapter 26. Chapter 26, verses 36 through 44. It says, Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and he saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And saith he unto them, My, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, and they enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, this cup may be not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So even at the time of the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was going to be captured and he's going to be uh, crucified later, he still sought time to pray alone to his father. Even though he wanted his disciples, would you, would you pray with me? I'll leave you here. Pray. Watch with me. And I'm going to go a little over here and I'm going to spend some time with, with my father. And they kept falling asleep. But he desired to have that, um, that time alone with God because I think that was necessary for him to be able to 
uh, have the strength to endure what he was going to endure by the, at the hands of Pilate and the crucifixion. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse number 9. Acts chapter 10, verse number 9. And here we see on, uh, with Peter. On the morrow as they went out on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So we see here that even in, later in, in Acts that Peter is, is praying alone and God gives him a vision of food that was unclean to eat for a Jew. And he said, eat, you know, have you already eat, eat these? And he said, no, I've not eaten anything. I've, been, I've had my diet clean as a Jew. And it says, Peter, rise up, kill and eat. And Peter couldn't comprehend that. He's like, but I'm a Jew. I can't eat this. And what God was trying to teach Peter was that salvation was going to be soon given to the Gentiles. Where the Jews would not have anything to do with the Gentiles because they were considered unclean. And salvation was only to the Jews at this time. And that Cornelius had been sent a couple of servants to him to come and tell him all about salvation. And by the time that Peter is done with the vision, all of a sudden there's a knock on his door and here's these two servants. And Peter's wondering what is going on. And so he comes back to Cornelius' house and, and he asks Peter, uh, Peter to tell him all about Christ. And, and Cornelius gets saved. He's a Roman soldier, so he's a Gentile. All of his family gets saved and they get the Holy Spirit. And Peter is just in awe saying, what in the world is going on? How can Gentiles be getting saved? And that was the door that was open to us. But the thing is, Peter was alone to pray when he got that vision. Secondly, remove any distractions that you can have during your time in prayer. Remove distractions. You know, a warrior's greatest risk is when they're not focused on the battle and they let their guard down. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. In other words, a soldier is supposed to be, he's supposed to be on guard. See, we have an enemy that doesn't sleep. The devil doesn't sleep. And when we're at our weakest, that's when he's going to attack. He's going to strike when we're our weakest. So we have to be determined to stand. And distractions will keep us from our time in prayer. Have a list or a journal that you can write down prayer requests and praises. These focus your mind. Start off praying from your list. And as you grow in prayer time, just start talking to God like you would to a friend on the phone. See, this is why it's so important that you attend prayer meeting every week. First of all, prayer is important for your, your, your life, your spiritual life. But you find out the burdens and the needs of people in our church. You know, you find out that, oh, wow, they, they've got a need. I didn't know that. Their family members going through a difficulty. Oh, I didn't know that. And you can share one another's burdens and help each other through prayer. When you pray for others, you're strengthening yourself too. And lastly, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And soon you'll notice a difference. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And as you start getting used to, being, to praying, you start implementing into your life, you'll start praying about everything, which we're supposed to do. Everything that comes into your life, we're supposed to pray about.
So not only does it take training, but it takes determination. Training as a warrior is hard, and it is easy to give up. For a warrior to excel, they need to be determined to keep on training. But what does it mean to be determined? It means that you're not going to let anything keep you from your, your prayer time. You're determining to say, you know what, I've, I've got this time, I'm going to pray. I'm not going to let things stop it. You know, Christians do not pray because of their flesh. You know, your flesh does not want to pray. It hates to pray. The thought of humbling itself to get on your knees or even just to close your eyes and, and bowing your head and humbling yourself before an almighty God, the, even the, the think and the, the, the act of it, your flesh hates and so when you want to spend that time in prayer, be sure your flesh will fight you because it will not want to do it. It'll think of anything else to do except for pray because you're humbling it and it doesn't like it. Your flesh is used to being in charge and running your life. It likes being the king of your life. It loves being in charge. But when you instead yield yourself to spending time in prayer, you're giving control over to the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't like that. He hates it. And he will fight. Romans 7.18 says, For I know that in me, let's talk about the Apostle Paul, the great Christian, the Apostle Paul. It says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. So he said, even though the desire to do good is, is in me, I want to do the right thing, man, there's some times I do the wrong thing. I know I'm not supposed to, but sometimes that our flesh gives a little bit of problems. Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You want to know why you have a hard time sometimes coming to church? Why you have a hard time sometimes reading the Bible? Why you have a hard time sometimes praying? Is because you have a flesh and your your nature, your flesh nature, and you then you may be a born again Christian. You have a spiritual nature. There's two two forces that are battling inside of you. Every single day, all throughout the day. That's why you struggle sometimes doing the right thing. Because your flesh is pulling one way, and, you're, and the Holy Spirit's pulling you another way. And sometimes you feel like you're in the middle, and you're, you're going back and forth, back and forth. And whoever you yield yourself to, that's what you're going to do. Either you're going to go to the flesh, or you're going to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. One of the ways your flesh will fight you is with fatigue and tiredness. And we all struggle with that, and so the disciples, as we read in Matthew chapter 26. If your time to pray is first thing in the morning, that is probably the best time. But your flesh will fight you to stay in bed. It will do whatever it can to convince you, do not get up out of your bed. It's warm in here. It's only 10 minutes, just hit the snooze. Sorry, nine minutes. I never understood why they have nine minutes snooze. I have no idea. Just hit snooze one time. It'll be good. And three or four or five snoozes later, you're still in bed. Your flesh won. He won. 
It'll tell you that you're too tired. And especially here in Ireland, it's too cold out. It's too cold out. Just stay a few more minutes and then you can get up. But those few minutes end up being far more than you wanted and your flesh just robbed you from your time with God. Your mind will start racing about all that you have to do that day and it'll distract your focus when you pray. Now, I know this is especially true with women. Men, we're single focused. We have usually things don't come in our mind until we give them, okay, next, <laughs> next thing. <laughs> but I know women, as soon as they get up, they start going about their day, they're, they're already thinking about the 10 things they have to do that day. <laughs> I know because my wife is one of those people and sometimes, you know, she has to, she has to quiet that. I say, no, I need, I need to focus and I need to spend time with God. The day can take care of itself. I need to focus on my time with God first and then we can deal with the day. But it's so easy. To, as, and as you start praying, as you start, as you start uh, spending time with God, isn't it amazing that you'll start thinking about, oh, I got to do this today. Oh, I got to do this today. Oh, I got to do this today. And pretty soon your mind is no longer on prayer. It's now focused on what you have to get done today. Your flesh is doing that to you. Christians don't pray because of Satan's attacks. When you go to pray, the devil will try and stop you from praying because he knows there is victory, peace, and joy for a Christian who prays. He knows that. And Satan tries to limit your praying because he knows that your praying will limit him. You praying about situations in your life because you're giving them over to God. And you're saying, God, I'm not in control of this. You are. And Satan knows, man, I can't work in that situation if he's, if he's giving it to God. I'm, he's, you're limiting him. He will start filling your mind with junk that comes out of the blue. He'll start putting images in your head that you may have seen recently. Or he'll bring up memories of your life before you became a Christian. He will also accuse you because of your past. He will try to make you feel like you're not worthy enough to pray and that you of all people have no right to pray to a holy God. There's some people here probably who are saved from a pretty difficult past. Things that you used to do, if anybody knew what they were, you'd be ashamed. And the devil knows that. And he will accuse you of it. And he'll bring that up thinking, how dare you think you can talk to a holy God when you did what you did? And he'll do that. Because he knows if he can stop you praying, then he's got the victory. When he attacks, remind him of the cross. Remind him that he has been defeated at the cross and that in God's eyes, you are now made worthy to talk to him. That's why the Bible says that when you are saved, you are a new creature. You're a new creation. Everything that was in your past before, gone. He chooses not to remember it. He gives you a brand new slate. Remind the devil where he belongs. Zechariah verses, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? And that's what we are. We're all brands 
that have been plucked out of the fire of hell because we put our trust in, Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. We are all those brands that have been plucked out of the fire and to God we are, we are now his children. I'd rather let God fight my battles than try to fight them myself. He's a lot more powerful than I am. He can handle situations I can't. But be sure, when you start to pray, you will encounter his attacks. And he will try to stop you. Now, and I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just telling you, we have an enemy. And he will make himself known. When you try to live for God, he will make himself known. My pastor uh, back in the, in the States, uh, my, my, my home church, he made a statement, try living sold out for God for 40 days and see what will happen. You'll realize that there's an enemy that wants to stop you. He'll show himself. Not only does it take training and determination, but it takes dedication. A warrior does not give up his training just because he misses a day or events happen that are out of his control. Instead, he gets right back into it and he picks up where he left off. You know what? Maybe you started off great this year saying, you know what? I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to, I'm going to try and attend church you know, as, as often as I can. I'm going to try and bathe there every single Sunday. And sometimes events happen that stop you. You know, maybe, maybe health comes along or sickness comes along or, you know, who knows? And something happens and you miss something. You know what? That's okay. But don't let it keep you down. Get back up and get back in it and say, you know what? I'm going to keep on going after you, Lord. See, consistency as something develops a habit. And having the time of prayer is a good habit to have. If you need to, schedule your time with God and protect it. Because if you don't plan for it, it will usually not happen because other things will, will come up instead and we'll give our time to that. Some people have to live by a schedule. That's not wrong. But if you don't aim and set aside time of prayer and, and, and make a note of it that you're going to do this, can I tell you what? If you don't do it, you're not going to do it. It's going to be so easy to say, well, wow, you get wrapped up in something else and pretty soon that time's gone and it's time for bed. And you're too too tired. You're too tired. Schedule your time if you have to. If you have to say, you know what? My prayer time is going to be from 7 to 7.30 or, or 7 to 8. That's my time that I'm going to put aside for reading my Bible and spending some time in prayer. And I'm going to protect that. I'm not going to let anything in, come in, into that. If you have to do it, that's good. That's fine. But you've got to make that time. Because if you don't make that time, it will never happen. I've been there. I speak from experience. Because the devil loves to throw up distractions that will take you away from spending time with God. Do not be surprised when you get ready to spend time with God that something ends up happening right at that moment that can't be put off. Because he knows. He knows and he's going to try and stop you. If you miss a day of prayer and feel like you blew it, don't give up. Get right back into your routine and don't quit. 
Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. You want to make a just man successful? He gets up. Even though he falls. Even though he stumbles. Even though things may not go his way and he ends up falling on his face flat. And he realizes he blew it. He doesn't stay defeated. He gets back up and he continues following after God. I'd rather be like that just man. I, I know I'm going to fail. I know there's going to be days that I'm going to fail and I'm going to fall. But I'm glad that God is gracious enough and he gives me another day. You know, my dad used to always say, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. When things get hard, that's when you really realize just how much strength you really have. Once you develop that time with God, keep that mindset throughout the day. If something happens, pray about it. Pray when something comes into your thoughts. Having that mindset and attitude of prayer is what the goal is. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What he says is, is don't, don't worry about everything. That's what he's saying here. Be careful for nothing. Don't let your heart be full of cares for everything around. Because we can get so focused on all that's going on around us and worried about all the things that we can't control, that we have no, no power over, and we can get so stressed out about those things in our life, he says, instead, don't, don't worry about all that stuff. But instead, by everything, bring it to God. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. We're supposed to be thankful for some things. Sometimes God allows bad things in our life. We don't understand why. But we're supposed to pray and be thankful for all things both the good and the bad. The greatest motivation for us to pray should be your love for the Lord. He is our captain and he is worthy of praise and to talk to. He made it possible for you and I even to pray to God. And now he even intercedes for you and I. Had it not been for Jesus, we would have no hope. Our prayers would never be heard. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's no other no other intermediator, only Jesus. No saint, no other person can be prayed to that your prayers will affect. Jesus is the only one that we can pray to. It was him dying that ripped the veil in the temple, showing that from now on, man can go straight to God and there's no longer needs to be a high priest to bring, their, bring people's prayer to God. He took out the middleman. That's why we don't have to pray to Mary. That's why we don't have to pray to the saints because God took out the middleman and said, now I want you, now you can pray freely to me. And Jesus is our intercessory. So when we pray, he looks at that and says, you know what? This is actually what he really needs. <laughs> he, he, he may got some things wrong that he's asking for, but this is what he really needs. 
Because sometimes we pray for the wrong things. And God actually gave us the Holy Spirit as well. Because there's going to be some days in your life that when you are so broken that you can't pray. You want to, but you just can't because you're so broken. Your heart just feels like so overwhelmed. That's when the Bible says the Holy Spirit makes utterance for us. Thank God for that. And as you grow in strength spiritually in prayer, you'll want to spend even more time in prayer and you won't want to stop and you'll become a real prayer warrior. You know, I showed you those pictures and not, not as a clap on their back, but those two men, the one, I know, he gets up at five o'clock in the morning, actually no, four o'clock in the morning and he prays for three hours. The other one, I know he gets up at six o'clock and for three hours he just prays for missionaries all over the world. I mean, his wall, I've been in his office and his wall has prayer cards of missionaries all over his office. And he starts at the wall and he goes up and over and he prays over their family, their children, their ministries. And he does that every single day. Not because of, not for a clap on the back, but because he has a burden, because he knows that God can do something with prayer and that especially missionaries need it as they're in the foreign field. They're good examples to have. Can we ever attain to that? It's a good goal. I wish I, I could say, well, maybe, maybe there might become a, a time in my day that I could spend three hours praying at one time for people. It's all about our priorities and what we want to do with our life. Conclusion this morning. Can I ask you, how's your prayer life going? Do you find yourself longing to be stronger in prayer than you are right now? If so, that's good. That's good. I'm hoping that you don't want to stay the same in your prayer life and that you want to grow stronger as a prayer warrior. I want you to think about this because this is a statement that made me think. If something happened to one of your loved ones, would you be able to get a prayer through? Think about it. If something happened and your loved one was on the brink of life or death, would you be able to get a prayer through? Or is there too much sin in your life? Or has it been so long since you really have spent time in prayer that you'd be ashamed to come to God? When my pastor said that, he said that was, the, that was a changing moment when his secretary got into a horrible car accident. And he thought, and he, as he began to pray for that woman, he thought, am I right enough with God that I'm even getting through? Think about it. God takes your prayer seriously. And when it comes to prayer, we take it too lightly. You know, think about it. It cost Jesus to be crucified for you and I to have a relationship with God. He paid for your sin and tore away the veil because between him and us. Our prayer now comes before the throne of God because of Jesus. 
and what He did for us. Now you may think this morning, I'm feeling pretty weak as a prayer warrior. You know, it doesn't have to stay that way. It's up to you to decide how strong of a prayer warrior you want to be. I can't make, I can't do anything about your relationship with God. It's something between you and God alone. I'm only here, I'm, my job here this morning was to maybe kind of give you some encouragement. Maybe even a little bit of a kick to say, come on, let's get going. I don't take it lightly. This has not been an easy message to, for me this morning. You know, a prayer warrior can be of any age, gender, or nationality. It doesn't have to be just for the older saints who, who have more time in their life. You know, or busy families. I know we don't have a lot of time sometimes when you're juggling kids everywhere and school and all that kind of stuff. I, I understand life gets busy. I'm in that stage. Right now, life is very busy. There's a lot happening. Sometimes it's very hard to make that time with God. I, I understand that one completely. I really do. But it doesn't matter what age. Even children can say, you know what? I want to spend time with God more. There's nothing wrong with that. Becoming a prayer warrior takes training. I listed just a few examples of how to improve your prayer life. Now, these are just some suggestions that have helped me. But find what works for you. But above all else, you need to find a quiet time alone with God that you will not be disturbed at. If you can only spend 20 minutes in prayer a day, protected, take that time. You don't have to spend six hours a day to prove that you're walking with God. If your life, you only have that 20-minute window, take it. Just don't let that 20 minutes go away. Don't let the devil take that 20 minutes. But if you can spend more time, spend more time, but try at least to spend time with God. Becoming a prayer warrior takes determination. Do not let your flesh or anything else keep you from your time with God. Becoming a prayer warrior takes dedication. Be consistent at it and it will be easier to stay at it. The hardest part is actually starting to pray. You know the hardest thing there is to do? It's actually starting to pray. Because that's when your flesh will start giving you other problems. When you start dedicating time to praying, you'll really see how strong your flesh really is. Keep the motivation spent with Jesus Christ being your love for Him. That should be our desire and not just to give Him a list of our wants and needs. Pray because you just want to talk to Him. It doesn't have to be out loud. You can pray in the, in the recesses of your own heart and your mind. God hears them all. Andrew Murray said this. He said, some people pray just to pray. And some people pray to know God. Think about that. Some people pray just to pray. And some people pray to know God. I hope the next time you go to the Lord in prayer is because you want to know Him. It's because you want to grow closer to Him. Not just because, well, i got to check something off my list and say I did it today. No, that you would generally want to spend time with Him. A study was done that said a little over 41% of Christians 
say that the most important purpose of prayer is intimacy with God. Meaning spending that, that time alone with God. Only 41% of Christians say that that's what, why we should pray. You know, Paul is a great example of a prayer warrior. And I hope that at the end of my life, I can say like he did in 2 Timothy 4.7. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You look at the life of Paul. He was a man of prayer. Let's try to be like that. Let's try to be, let's, let's try to at least try. And I hope that this morning, I encourage you this morning. But God gave me this message for a reason. It's hard to take sometimes when it's something that we're convicted about. But just know, look, I love you. And I hope that this will be a help to you. I really do. Because we all need help and encouragement in our prayer life. We do. And I hope it was a help this morning. Let's bow in a word of prayer. If you need to come and spend time, this altar is open all the time. If you need to come forward and, and just spend some time with God alone, clean up some stuff, maybe some baggage that's in your life right now, you're not going to upset me at all by coming forward and just taking that time to pray. I'd rather you get right with God and have a leave with a clean, clean slate than keep carrying that baggage. And if you're not saved this morning, if you've never been born again, and you don't know if, if heaven is your home, or if you know where you're going to go when you die, please come see, come see me. Talk to me. I'd love to show you through the scriptures how you can know that you're saved and that your sins are forgiven. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for listening to today's message on the Gospel Baptist Church podcast. To view this and similar messages as a video, or for more information about Gospel Baptist Church, head over to lukeandchurch.com. That's lukeandchurch.com. Thank you again, and God bless.